Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. Welcome to the Fairways of Life show. Pleasure to have your company, folks, on this Tuesday. Hope you guys are doing well. Reaction continuing to pour in from around the world to the victory of Brooks Kepka at the PGA Championship. That victory representing his fifth major championship win in his career. And it causes one to say, okay, we have Phil Mickelson with six majors. We have Tiger Woods with 15. And those are the two active players, if you will. Now, obviously, Tiger right now is not really active. Tiger Woods is down, recovering from yet another surgery. Phil Mickelson is playing on live, but he's still in the mix. At And I'm going to talk more about Phil in just a little bit. He's still in the mix at major championships, finished with a final round 70 on Sunday and, and of course, finishing a tie for second at the Masters. Full credit to him the way he's playing. But, at, and again, with Phil Mickelson, it was only, in fairness, a couple of years ago, he won that sixth major. So he's still part of it. So I'm hearing a lot of people say, and I'm curious what you guys think about this. I'm hearing a lot of people say that Brooks Kepka is the generational talent. In other words, the the most prominent and most most uh, dominating talent of the next call it what? You could say 10 years because it's going to cover his span, but if you say 10 years you're almost bumping Rory from that conversation, but Rory only has 4 and Brooks now has 5, so does does that eliminate Rory McIlroy from even consideration cuz Brooks is more majors? But having said that, given the fact that both Tiger and Phil have won a major in that 10-year span, albeit not the vast majority of their majors in that 10-year span, is it fair to say that Brooks Kepka over the course of, and, I, and for this purpose right now, just because we're throwing it against the wall and see what sticks, over the course of the last decade, is Brooks Kepka the, underscore the word the, generational talent in order to say that you pretty much have to more than assume you you have to put majors above everything else because outside of that you know Brooks Kepka, his total wins and that includes this most recent one because it's very interesting if you look at the stats from the PGA Tours perspective I'm literally talking about PGA Tour.com they list Brooks Kepka now as nine PGA Tour wins they count this PGA championship as a PGA tour win. Right. And and you had to wonder how were they going to deal with that? With, you know, the battle between live and with PGA tour, et cetera, et cetera. And again, it's the way it should be in my opinion, but full credit to the PGA tour that, that there weren't any games played. He was given a credit for a PGA tour win because a major championship is a PGA tour victory. So he now is nine, but what I'm getting at with that is and it, this takes me back to a conversation I had one time with, with the great Arnold Palmer. And I was talking about the fact that Arnold Palmer is a seven-time major champion. 
right? And we were talking a little bit kind of about, you know, the ones that got away. Now, obviously, 1966 at the U.S. Open against Billy Casper is a huge one because Casper overcame a massive deficit to overtake Palmer and to win. Uh, so that that was one conversation. Gary Player got him at the the player at, at the Masters. There are others, but but those were a couple that we were talking about in this particular day that we we're having this conversation. And as we were talking about that and the importance of majors, the great man himself, Arnold Palmer, kind of stopped the progression of the conversation in that direction and said, "You know, any win is important. PGA Tour wins are important." He's credited with 62 of them. Think about that for a second. Let that settle in. 62 of them in seven major championship wins. Again, when you put that against the context of, say, someone like a Phil Mickelson, Phil has what, if I'm not mistaken, Dom, 45 PGA Tour wins and six major championships. Still incredibly awing. But it makes you realize, once again, as if we need to, right, how great Arnold Palmer was as a player, as well as everything else that he represented as, as the golf's ultimate ambassador. But he cautioned me to say, you know, wins are important. Just wins are important. And I, I took that into account. I bring that up now because in talking about Brooks Kepka, He's won five major championships. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the graphic that Andrew has put up on the screen of what his major championship victories have been. And again, looking at them in the, in the span of a decade, we don't even need a decade to cover them. The 2017 U.S. Open at Aaron Hills. The 2018 U.S. Open at Shinnecock. The 2018 PGA Championship at Belle Reve. The 2019 PGA Championship at Beth Page, and now the 2023 PGA Championship at Oak Hill. Brooks Kepka wins major championships. Brooks Kepka wins major championships on very difficult golf courses. He rises above the fray to win. But as a winner of nine events on the PGA Tour, he's won two more times on Live. Won last year, won this. In total, is that enough total wins for you to say, yeah, he's a generational talent? Or is it, should it, be defined by what he does in major championships? Also, in the wake of, and this was happened immediately, as we talked about it on Sunday night, but also in in the days, now Sunday and Monday and the Tuesday, there's been a tremendous amount of discussion about Brooks Kepka. And whether Brooks should be on the United States Ryder Cup team. Again, let this settle in for just a second. Brooks Kepka is now second in Ryder Cup points to make the USA team. Second. Now, Dom, I know you were going to send out a survey this morning, which I believe if you well, you go ahead and tell us what you sent out. I did. Uh, not complicated today, Matt. The question is, should Brooks Kepka be on the U.S. Ryder Cup team, yes or no? And it is, a, it is Matt and I were talking a little bit about it, about the, comp- the complexity of all this and the gray area, but it really isn't gray area, is it? It's yes or no. When the time comes, he will be on the team 
or he will not be on the team. <laughs> it's only those are the only options. Um, now I just posted it. We just you know we just got we just uh, went live a couple minutes ago, uh, so there's only a handful of votes. But right now it's a hundred percent yes. A hundred percent yes. Works. Okay, good. Right, good. Now, that's yeah. interesting that you that you're getting that kind of reaction. I mean, in my mind, it's 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 pretty straightforward. If you earn your place on that team, you have every right to be on that team. Well, the, the interesting layer to that for me, Matt, with, with this discussion is what happens if a, a live tour player, and at this point we're pretty comfortably looking at Brooks, very potentially looking at Bryson and Patrick Reed as players, if they play well in majors, that are going to be in that sort of 7 to 12 on you know on the points list, that's what's interesting. Potentially, to me. yeah. Be- potentially, where are they because, now? Uh, 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 Patrick Reed and Bryson are like thirty four and thirty five on that points yeah. list right now. But if they were to win a major, that would jump them into like the fourth spot, roughly mathematically, right now. Yeah, and but it's not an me, eye roll about the prospect of those guys winning a major. Remember. Uh, Patrick finished, what, finished tied fourth. for fourth, if I remember correctly, at the Masters. No, so he's... Bryson. Oh, at the Masters, yeah. Bryson finished tied for fourth at the at the PGA a couple days. Yeah, ago. I didn't have time <laughs> to get to that yet, but yes. So uh, yes, so they, they're they're definitely showing that they're capable of knocking on the door. So Correct. you're saying, but my point is, what if the, what if what if Brooks does nothing else and these other guys win some elevated events and Brooks slips to seventh on that list? which I think mathematically is certainly possible. And the same with, like, Bryson. If Bryson finishes ninth and fifth in the majors, in the, in the last two majors, he's probably going to find himself in that area, like ninth on the list. So what's interesting to me is what happens if these guys are in that captain's pick area. Because traditionally, right, traditionally eighth or ninth on the points list is a captain's pick what? 85% of the time, Matt, that's almost always going to be someone who makes the team. Very rarely are they not. A lot of times, typically when that happens, it's a younger player who just recently played well and they decide to go with like a Webb Simpson type in, in, in Ryder Cup's past. So typically someone who's going to be eighth or ninth on the points list is almost always going to be traditionally a captain's pick. So to me, the interesting thing is what happens if they're in that spot. So that's what I'm rooting for. Because remember, I'm rooting for chaos. Uh, if you if you look at the way things are flowing and ebbing right now, it it seems quite clear that if if those guys are in a realm where, if, first of all, if they're outside the top twelve, even if they are thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen, I don't think there's any way they're going to get a captain's pick. Um, and the reason I'm saying that is because of the sense that we're all getting in terms of what I'm calling the flow and ebb. To me, I don't know how you could have an American player win a major championship and not be on that team who's, who finished second in the first major and won the second major. It just, it's beyond me to think that that person should not be representing Team USA. Uh, I get when, when, you, when one says that, all of a sudden you get into all the politics and, and the perspectives and, and the agendas and, and all of that, that that goes into it, which... It's still head shaking to me that the contradictions and the hypocrisy and the standards against which the, the people that say that Brooks shouldn't be on the United States Ryder Cup team because he went to play for Liv and Liv is funded by the the Saudi royal family, referencing sixteen of the nineteen 
9-11 terrorists came from Saudi Arabia, right? My opinion is you don't have to like the source of funding. However, that same source of funding is backed so many corporations that are involved intimately with the game of golf and are major sponsors of it. Why, why does one's moral outrage give a buy to that? This same fund and their, and their primary oil company are funding major tours on the women's side of the game. Where is the outrage about that? So my issue is I don't have a problem with moral outrage. I've, I've said that from the beginning of this thing. If you have moral outrage to who they are and where their funding comes from and all the rest, you have every right to feel that way. Every right. Where I have an issue is selective moral outrage. Why is it okay to direct your moral outrage at these individuals but turn a blind eye to all these other areas of which I just mentioned a few? How, do, how, do, how does one compartmentalize that? So again, you feel the way that you're going to feel. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, that's the one thing I'm not doing here, which everyone else seems to do in this in this discussion, is they judge someone else's feelings. I'm not trying to judge someone else's feelings. If you love or you hate, you do, and I trust that you have good reason to do that for something that's important to you. Full respect. All I'm saying is that when you're in the position of casting strong judgment. In this one particular area, how can you not hold that same strong judgment in other areas that they are involved in? Right? Uh, that's, that's what I'm saying with, with all of that. So the reactions are coming in far and wide. Uh, this, this was from actually a press release that Liv sent out to the media yesterday. Uh, this is from Justin Thomas, a two-time PGA championship winner. He said, quote, Brooks dominated this day. Guy knows how to play in majors. Incredibly impressive. Congrats to Brooks and his team on another trophy, close quote. Now, I don't know if these quotes, which I suspect came from individuals' social media, probably did. But nonetheless, where I, I'm just telling you straight up where I got it from. Uh, Victor Hovland, who finished in a tie for second, said, quote, Brooks is a great player, and now he has five majors. I mean, that's a hell of a record right there. It's not easy to go toe-to-toe with a guy like that. He is going to, he's not going to give you anything. I think that quote was from his post-round comments that we featured on Sunday night. Uh, Billy Horschel said, greatest players in majors the last 15 years. Congrats to Brooks Kepka on his fifth major. Awesome job, buddy. Billy Horschel. So that question that I opened the show with, which was, how do you define and do you define Brooks Kepka as a generational talent and over what time period? And I decided on a time period of a decade because it covered all of his majors. Billy Horschel just said the last 15 years. So he's gone 50% longer than I have in that same regard. Coach Clark Harmon, the, the, the third. Uh, this was via Alan Shipnuck in the Fire Pit Collective. Uh, was quoting, quoted as saying, he's a generational talent. 
He's not like everyone else. He's a franchise quarterback in the NFL. He's a starting pitcher who just threw another no-hitter, won another World Series, and another Cy Young Award. So all of these different quotes coming in about Brooks Kepka. So I was just I was curious about what you guys thought about all of this, what your reaction is to all of this, and Dom, I'll bring you back in here because I'm sure as I've been posing these questions, we've got people weighing in on the same. Uh, what Absolutely. are you hearing about a survey update again, and what are you hearing from the people today? I uh, th- th- this is a little bit off message immediately, but I couldn't help but look at it when you were talking about the Saudi fund. They have, these are their holdings. I'm just going to read names real quick. Electronic Arts, Uber, Live Nation, that's if you buy tickets to any event anywhere. Starbucks, PayPal, Microsoft, Salesforce, Costco, J.P. Morgan Chase, Home Depot, Google, Adobe, Amazon, Visa, Walmart, and th- I mean, th- this is maybe 30% of the stuff they have money in. And I'm not talking about $5. We're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. Very, again, to talk about the gray area here, just to you, be You haven't even said specific. one of the names in the list is FedEx. Yeah, it's somewhere on here. Yeah, I, it is on here somewhere. But um, again, to be very specific, Microsoft, they have $540 million of Microsoft, Okay. Microsoft is PGA Tour 2K23. Their video game is a Microsoft video game. Just to show everybody how, like, just ma- like how mangled in gray area this is, they're well, in bed with Microsoft, which is the PGA Tour video game. So it's just hard to differentiate this stuff and complain about one side or the other side. It's just complicated. This is how, how much complicated money do they have in Uber? Uh, in Uber, they have $2.31 million. Billion. Billion dollars. Billion dollars. Billion dollars, correct. So over $2 billion in Uber right now, which and the reason why I, I pick up, I, I ask you about that one specifically, is because, again, as, as one casts moral outrage, uh, as an act of responsibility probably, maybe an act of convenience as well, probably took a, an Uber to the pub the other night. So you wouldn't be drinking and driving, right? Three, Maybe you use it to get to the airport. $260 million in FedEx, by the way, which is like the tour's main sponsor. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that Uber, would, would one think about casting that same moral gauge against yeah. Uber when, when there's more money from this fund invested in Uber than there is in golf? That's all I'm yeah. saying. I'm just saying – and again – if your answer is yes, I don't have a problem with that. You have every right to have that view and that opinion. To say, no, I'm not going to touch any of that. To me, it's all blood money. I respect your opinion. The only question I'm asking is, is how does one draw a moral distinction between what you do and your judgment of what someone else does? What are you hearing from the people, Dom? What's the survey? So uh, the survey today, for those of you who missed it, is should Brooks Kepka be on the U.S. Ryder Cup team? Yes or no? 96% at this point is yes. Uh, let's see. I'm just going to read some of the stuff again. appreciate you guys commenting. Um, you can go to our YouTube page, subscribe. Please subscribe. Um, and, you know, we like feedback from all corners. Uh, he is known by his first name, 
Brooks, that's legendary. <laughs> sure. Uh, let's see. What silliness does Dom have today? This isn't this isn't silly. This is very serious stuff here, Matt. Uh, Palmer had his last win, uh, his last major win at 33 years old. Uh, I don't know. Is that accurate, Matt? That's probably about right. Yes. It is. Okay. Uh, Brooks uh, Brooks is the best golfer in our in our last decade. You know, I'll stop there briefly. It's interesting that you brought that up about Arnold Palmer because that's the exact age that Brooks is. Yes, but what I was going to, uh, and we can talk about this in, in, in upcoming segments, if you please. But what I wanted to read is a couple of names quickly, because you were talking about the value or the weight of a major versus a tour win. And you, you, you shared some comments that Arnold Palmer made about how he thinks the PGA Tour win is a very, very big deal to win anything. Um, and I'm trying to keep this, these names I'm going to ramble off to you to this generation. You mentioned generationally. Uh, Dustin Johnson. These are PGA Tour wins, folks. Dustin Johnson, 24. Roy McIlroy, 23. Adam Scott, 14. Jason Day, 13. Jordan Spieth, 13. Justin Thomas, 15. Patrick Reed, 9. Bryson DeChambeau, 8. John Rahm, 11. All these players have the same or more wins than PGA Tour wins than Brooks Koepka. But they don't have the major total. Again, how do you weigh that? Interesting. Um, Let's see here. Palmer, 62 PGA Tour wins plus seven majors. Uh, and silly that majors count towards PGA Tour win count. I don't think it's silly. that It, count, uh, it counts for all, a lot of the sanctioned tours, correct? DP World yeah, Tour? It's not I think silly. It's, it's not. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a major championship. It should, it should count. Hey, Matt and Dom. Hey. So. <laughs> How's it going? Uh, Brooks was never big on playing many PGA Tour v- uh, events. The Live the lives Tour suits him very well. Fair. Interesting. Um, if you ask Brooks in 10 years if his decision to join Liv is worth it, I do believe he will say yes. Liv will outgrow our expectations. Brooks will be legendary no matter what happens going forward. I think that last sentence is fair. Five wins. I mean, Andrew, you can put that graphic back up. 20 people ever. That is rarefied error. If he no quit doubt. tomorrow, he's still legendary. Is he not? Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah. Um, I think Bryson done It's 100% a resume that gets him into the World Golf Hall of Fame. Now, again, yeah, I don't know what all the politics are going to be with that going down the road, but he 100% deserves to be there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bob writes, I think Bryson has done some growing up since he joined the Live Tour, and I'm glad to see it. Interesting. I think he, he has, too. Well. I think, I think a lot of that He hasn't played so very well on that tour, for the record, though, Matt. Yeah, but I, he I hasn't think, been playing I think very what well. I think what Bob there is referencing is... I don't really know if it has anything to do with live. What I think it has to do with is maturity and, and getting older. And I also think that I've said this many times about uh, Bryson. I don't think Bryson's a bad kid. I really don't. What I think happened was he was, he was in a, a world where he was surrounded by people who basically all made money off him one way or another, worked for him in some way or another. So all he ever had was slaps on the back instead of an arm around the shoulder that said, are you sure you want to say that? Are you sure you want to do that? I think it's about guidance. I think it's about mentorship. And I think the other mistake that, that Brooks made was because everybody loves the long ball is I think Bryson, he made a huge error and mistake in assuming that he possessed this massive popularity that would rise above any type of personal gaffes. And it didn't. It didn't work. The, the whole run-in with, with Brooks Kepka, at least on the front end, didn't help him. That run and didn't help either one of them. Brooks came across looking like a bully, and he should have in that instance. 
So I think part of it with with Bryson is I think Bryson has gotten better walking through the the peaks and valleys and, and some very deep plummeting valleys at that in the world of of uh, celebrity, if you if you please, in terms of what he thought he possessed and what he realized he did and he didn't. Uh, the fact that he, he's been dropped by a couple of sponsors along the way. Uh, you could say, well, did they drop him because he joined Live? Maybe. But I don't think it was just about Live, to be honest with you. I really don't, because I know the inside stories in some of these, and I really don't think it was about Live. I think it was about a if you if you represent a company, and, and we with this show, I'll admit, represent many, and very proud to as well. But if you represent that company, that company wants to know that how you conduct yourself is in line with their values. And how you represent their product is directly in line with all of that. And so it doesn't have to be that it's just bad behavior. It's just that it's not syncing up. And sometimes it takes a little while for the two entities to get to know each other. So, And I think for Bryson, I think it took him a little while to get to know himself. So, yeah, I, I do think the way – the way he handled himself, the way he presented himself, the way he conducted himself through the PGA Championship, even the way he looks physically, although this shouldn't be tethered, but when he was when he was so big and he was just chasing all the numbers, and it just seemed like a young guy. It seemed like a kid. It seemed like a frat boy chasing, chasing getting huge. It's what it seemed like. Well, he's not that way now, and he still killed it at the PGA Championship. I think his measured drive was like 350, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, I'm I'm glad to see I'm glad to see where where Bryson is now in terms of how he's he's projecting himself and handling himself. And I think Bob is right about that. My my agreement of that would be defined by I just think it's maturity as well as experience. So, what else you got, Don? Um, to that point, I was looking this up while you were talking about Bryson. Again, this is probably a, a whole other one hour show for a different day. But you're talking about popularity, and and you mention, I think, that Bryson thought his popularity was bigger than it was. How popularity is measured in today's society is very interesting and very different than most of us who are watching and interacting with this particular program. I want to share some numbers with you. Brooks Kepka's Twitter account, which matters – these days, it matters, I guess. It's a measure. 570,000 570, followers. His Instagram, 1.1 million followers. Okay? So that's basically 1.6, 1.7 million, quote, followers on his social media accounts. Bryson DeChambeau has 900,000 on Instagram, 300,000 on Twitter, and almost 400,000 subscribers on YouTube. His combined total is around the same, if not more, than Brooks Kepka, who does not have a YouTube, he doesn't do YouTube videos like Bryson does. So Bryson has the same following. Like if you were to talk to some stupid 20-year-old kid who's a digital expert, right, he would tell you that Bryson DeChambeau's reach and his impressions and all his whatever numbers that seem irrelevant is the same as Brooks. They're going to say he is. They will say factually, objectively, he is popular. He's super popular. Look at all these people that are following him. So I don't know. I don't know what that means, Matt. I don't know. Maybe that means that he is popular and that there is a huge swath of people who are 
um, downloading his videos and going to his YouTube and uh, watching the videos where he's going through his bag or whatever. I mean, he posted two months ago, what's in the bag? Bryson DeChambeau. He spent 10 minutes talking about his bag. He's got 350,000 views on YouTube. I'd watch I that. Know. I think that that's, make him... I think yeah, that'd but, be very but I'm saying, like, again, what is popularity? How you define popularity? Like, if you are his, his sponsor, Team Crushers, right? If he posts that video and says, here's what's in my bag, is that going to get you to buy Team Crushers merchandise? Because what is the value of that video if, if a sponsor can't get money off of it? He, well, it again, just, that's it's a just popularity? Now you're popularity? talking about sponsors' agendas. That, yeah, that's, that's different. They're, yeah, but they're why else would for, you post that video? Yeah, they're looking for engagement. I, I would assume he posts that video because he was trying to show off the clubs he was playing. I, I may, I'm naive. Yeah, but, but isn't, you know, that, isn't that sponsor-related His material? grips are like baseball bats. You know, his <laughs> his lofts are, are much, much stronger than standard clubs. So that's one thing, like with Bryson, when you hear that he, you know, he's hitting his 7-iron 220, he's not hitting a 7-iron. Yeah. Because now, now you can get and, into that whole other discussion. Yeah, Dom, and and again, we could go down a massive a discussion for earlier, an hour just, and another day. But I just what, wanted to share that because I think it's interesting how you not even close to the, to the lofts of those particular clubs. So, yes, I would be very interested in in what he's actually playing. Now, having said all that, when you add up those numbers, that's why I think the reliance upon individuals, companies, et cetera, of social media platforms as the standard against which one judges engagement is a bit of a windmill. The Don Quixote element of that is if you look at the National Golf Foundation's numbers of total engagement of the game of golf in the United States on an annualized basis, and this takes in every facet of how it touches. For Father's Day, I don't care if you play golf or don't play golf. Are you going to go out and buy dear old dad a, a golf shirt? You go to PJ Tour Superstore, find something that he's going to love. Right? Or... PJTourSuperstore.com, actually. You can go on there, too. But if you, if you, are you going to go on there and do that? Are you going to buy him a gift certificate at PJ Tour Superstore? Whatever it is. You're now part. You're, you've t- the game of golf has touched you. You're involved. If you watch the Masters, game's got you. You're involved. If you go to a Drive Shack or Top Golf, you're involved. Obviously, if you play... Golf, golf. On green grass golf course. If you invest in real estate at a golf course, a house, or what have you, there's all different measures, but they're all built around the core of the game in some way, shape, or form. And even if it's tangential, if, you, if you've done the things that I just described, in a given year, you're measured. You've touched the game. Well, that number, according to the National Golf Foundation, is $100 million. That's one out of three, almost, Americans that are touched by the game of golf. If we narrow down and start to to look even closer, National Golf Day released these numbers. That between the green grass play and picking up a club and going, use it wherever. I I said top golf and and golf shack. It could be driving. There's a lot of different places. Basically, you hold the club in your hand, and you're hitting a ball. That number is 41 million. And the reason why I say that with emphasis 
is that if you look at 41 million and measure that against those social media totals that Dom just said for Bryson, roughly 1.4 million, right? 1.4 million standing alone is a very impressive number. There is no doubt whatsoever. Congratulations. But when you measure it against the individuals and their engagement in the game of golf, even those that, that stand by my definition at the core, in other words, someone that holds a golf club in their hand. 1.4 million of 41 million is a tiny percentage. It's a tiny, tiny percentage. So what I'm suggesting to you is that the 2023 measurement, and I realize it's primary, but the 2023 measurement of popularity is a little skewed. And it's skewed because of all those, as you noted, so-called experts that are telling us that this is an incredibly important measure. And I'm not diminishing 1.4 million. That's a huge number. Congratulations. It represents a lot. But when you measure that against the core of the game, people who do things with a club in their hand to hit a golf ball at 41 million currently, the number is still tiny. So there's still plenty of room. What else you got, Don? All right. Uh, Again, we can't get to everybody, but we're doing our best. Uh, It's sad that the PGA Tour's reaction to a live player winning a major is to give an unqualified PGA of America club pro an exemption in hopes of achieving better ratings. I think that's a reference to Michael Block. I don't see how Um, those two are are associated with one another. The, the, The exemption that Michael Block got into this week's Charles Schwab Challenge has zero to do with with Brooks. It has to do everything to do with his popularity and the way that he connects. Sponsors exemptions. Sponsors exemptions at times go to celebrities. We've seen baseball pitchers get them. There's all types of people. Why does yeah, a sponsor Curry, give an Tony exemption? Tony Romo, for sure. Yeah, for Tony tickets. Romo, Dom yeah. just said, yeah. yeah. Why does a sponsor give an exemption? A sponsor gives an exemption, A, because they have the right to give it to whoever they damn well please because they're putting up millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, whether you like it or not. Michelle Wee's got sponsors exemptions multiple on the PGA Tour back in the day. So they'll find, you know, they'll have a lot of guys that are kind of trying to claw their way back or young guys that are looking for a break that will write letters to these different tournaments and go, hey, I'd love a sponsor's exemption. And they usually get one or two. But one of the unspoken reasons that sponsors have exemptions is to draw attention and to move the, the turnstile at the gate. Do you think Michael Block coming off the PGA Championship would qualify in those two categories alone, and there's many others that he also would help? You're darn right they would. But, but that being somehow a reflection, a, an act of disrespect to Brooks Kepka, I'm not buying that. What else you got? Uh, let's see. Who's on, uh, G. Willis writes, who's on the USA Ryder Cup committee? Stricker, Spieth, Thomas, PGA of America president, VP, and CEO. So no official PGA Tour representatives, correct? Question mark. 
No, uh, no, no, no. Is he talking about who's making decisions? Yeah, yeah, that's, what I'm, that's, what, that's why I'm saying no to you. I think what he's talking that's about not... is who makes the decision to get on the team. That goes to Zach Johnson. He is the captain, and in his quotes that he said on Sunday afternoon after he finished up is that he's going to consult with his vice captains. And then what they usually do is they go to— listed, by the way, for the record. They usually go to the players who are automatically qualified, of which there's now six. Yes. So um, I'm assuming that will be the, the hierarchy that Zach goes to. But ultimately, who Zach picks, that's up to Zach. Yeah, it's not. There's not really a committee now. They, there is. They they did put together. Uh, what did they call it, Matt? A task force. They did originally, the but it is actually committee team, now. But yeah. So, the, but that's not. That's got nothing to do with who's picking the teams. That's correct. Um, let's see. Surf Sauce says. What's funny is this Saudi stuff that keeps getting brought up and then no mention of the LPGA Tour, which is sponsored by the same group. Isn't that sexist? First of all, that's not fair. And the LPGA Tour is not sponsored by the same group. Aramco has sponsorship deals with the LET and co-sanctioned events with the LPGA Tour. A whole series of events. I think it's five events, Matt, six maybe. And a couple yeah, of them L- are in the United But LPGA States. players are benefiting from those funds. Lexi won. An Aramco event. Yeah. And we do say that. We've mentioned that a million times on this program. He's not, I don't think he's talking about us. That Obviously, we, we have brought it up. Uh, let's see here. Uh, going through stuff. Can't wait for Liv this weekend. Liv is playing this weekend in Washington, D.C. We'll get to Yeah, that you know, I'm actually I'm excited about the fact that Liv is playing this week because we're going to get a chance to hear from Brooks Kepka again. We and will. It's, yes, it's he'll not to speak on Thursday. Would be my yeah. Guess. It's not going to be a soundbite, Brooks Kepka. It's going to be you had some time because when when you win a major championship, they those guys have to go through huge amounts of media, one after another, after another, after another. All these various rights holders from all over the world. I don't even know how many interviews they have to conduct. Not to mention the scrum interview. Not to mention the sit down interview. All the rest. This will be a different setting, which I like. It's just. Sit down, chill out, answer a lot of questions. And uh, I'll be flipping back. By the and way, forth. we're going to have it all for you then too. I'll be flipping back and forth uh, between both tournaments this weekend. I think a lot of re- just traditional golf fans will probably be doing that. I'll likely. Be well, that's the big events. question that I have, and maybe that's a survey for another day, Dom. Yep. Is with the success of live players at the Masters, and with Brooks winning the PGA Championship. Does that change your perspective of watching a live event? We touched on this in our show post-PGA Championship. Does live as a league benefit from the solid play? I think amongst other things, it kills the narrative prior to the Masters, which was live players can no longer compete. They're washed up. They took the money. They're done. And what's always interesting to me, and it's not, it's not exclusive to golf. It exists in golf, but it's not exclusive to it. Where there's the mentality of, if I tell you enough times and justify it with eloquence and even facts, how something is going to be. These guys can't compete. They play in 54 holes and blah, blah, blah. Then somehow I'm going to twist fate to my will. Well, we've seen time and time again in life, in golf, that doesn't work. 
players that have mad talent have mad talent. And it comes out at the pinnacle of the game, which are these major championships. And I don't know, I've, I've been amused by the fact that efforts to, to denigrate, eff- efforts to brush aside the prospects of these players has been undone by the reality of what they're, they're capable of doing. I'm going to read you done, some more Dom? stuff. I can right, read some more you. stuff. I mean, we I'm can read forever here. Uh, you wait on me. Uh, by the way, the PGA Championship enjoyed its best ratings ever. Wonder why that is. I have not seen ratings yet. I'll try and look for those. I'm not sure those have been released yet. So I'm not I sure haven't seen it anywhere. Or not. Maybe yeah, somebody knows the inside story. Maybe. Uh, I'll, I'll see if I can find it in the break, but um, I'm not sure that that's officially been released. Regardless, the ratings for majors are always very high, and... Um, Looks like this is Michael. He's saying you're getting a ratings boost from Liv. I don't know if that's Again, true Again, see, that, that's what I was going to get to. What the hell? Well, he, Who doesn't yeah, that's what I was, You're saying the same thing that I'm saying. I'm not – it's unclear to me yet that the ratings boost of the PGA Championship would have anything to do with Liv as a league. What's more, anything to do with the PGA Tour as a league, too, for that matter. So – how either league could claim any type of PR win from ratings because of what Brooks Kepka did, I'm not sure about that. It could be just that people are really intrigued by Brooks Kepka. Consider the, the, the reasons why. As we started and told you, Brooks Kepka now, and this is by the PGA Tours definition, which is interesting. His win is another PGA Tour win. So he has nine. He has two wins on live. But he has five major championships amongst that. Five. Not to mention his runner-ups. So in Brooks Kepka, we have a major championship winning golfer unlike any we've ever seen before in the history of the game. We have a guy that shows up to week-in, week-out events on whatever tour you choose to define this by or observe. And he does okay. He wins occasionally. On the PGA Tour, if you took away his majors, he'd be a four-time winner. That's great. It's rare. I would guess a four-time winner, there's somewhere around 300 players in that category, two to 300, a four-time winner. A five-time tour or major winner, you win five majors, you're in the company of a total of 20 men. That's it. 20. So when you look at the combination of those factors with Brooks Kepka, Brooks is a champion unlike any we have seen before. The closest thing that I could think of in the, in golf would be Ben Hogan post-accident. When because of the damage to his legs, he couldn't play week in and week out, and he concentrated on the majors. I think about, you know, for example, uh, 1956, where Ben Hogan played six times and won three majors. 
the first, if you will, modern golfer, although that's that's a that's a broad brush I just used. The first modern golfer to really focus on majors was Jack Nicholas, who still won seventy three times on the PGA tour. But he definitely put more emphasis on major championships. But in terms of how it compares to Brooks Kepka, there truly is no other comparison. Just doesn't exist. All right, Tom, anything else before we wrap up this subject? Sorry, I had my microphone off there. I did want to read something that came in from the Sports Media Watch folks. These are Nielsen estimates. <laughs> doesn't support what they're saying. <laughs> ESPN's coverage of the PGA Championship averaged 1.07 million viewers Thursday and 1. Point, this is the first two rounds not the weekend and 1.37 million on Friday down 27 and 36% from last year when Tiger was in the field. Okay, it's understandable. So I mean I feel like it it so far at least it's what we said it was which is the major championships, the, the, the viewership is up a little bit because it's a major, but it didn't skyrocket. It's just, it was okay. That's what yeah, it but it, like. it, you're, not, you're not yet comparing apples to apples because, as you noted, if you, if you had Tiger in the field last year and there's going to be curiosity there and there's going to be interest there, what you have to look at is post-cut, what happened on, and, and remember, this, this was also an odd, PGA because of the weather, but particularly what, to me, particularly what happened on Sunday. That's going to be the standard against which this whole thing should be gauged. So we'll see. Uh, you guys continue to send in your messages, and we'll get to it. 95%, uh, by the way, say he should be on the team at this point. Brooks Kepka Yeah, it's interesting. That's why I'm still... I mean, that's like every single golf fan. That's like everybody's like, yes, of course he needs to be on the team. That, I mean, that's interesting. That's interesting. It is. It is, it, and it's – I mean, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about this because this is going to be a story for weeks and months ahead about him being on the team. He said he wants to be on the team. He wants to represent Team USA in Rome. Uh, another player that's had significant experience in the Ryder Cup is Phil Mickelson. Uh, this is from Dave Shedlowski. PGA Championship 2023, uh, in odd interview, Phil Mickelson does his best to bite his tongue. Now, this was after Phil finished up on Sunday. And this is what Dave writes. And you can find this at golfdigest.com. Phil Mickelson tends to make news when he speaks. On Sunday, he tried to not make news, which was news all the same. Following a respectable even par 70 Sunday in the final round of the PGA Championship at Oak Hill Country Club, an uncharacteristically reticent Mickelson seemed determined to fend off questions about the Ryder Cup, the importance of a Live Golf League member winning Sunday, and his current perchant for belching out pointed observations on Twitter. It was an odd 10-minute exchange with reporters, save for his readiness to make swipes at golf's establishment. That's the Phil Mickelson we all know. Quote, I guess it's because I know some things that others don't, Mickelson said. I just want to make sure everybody's held accountable, close quote. What those things are, he wasn't saying. There is an ongoing antitrust suit that Live Golf has filed against the PGA Tour, and the Department of Justice has an active investigation of the tour for which Mickelson was deposed, a fact that he confirmed on Sunday, saying, quote, 
I know a lot of stuff that will come out later, close quote, said the six-time major winner in another of his cryptic replies. It's unusual for Mickelson, 52, to hold back his opinions, but for the most part, that's what he seems determined to do after finishing his 100th finish in the money at a major championship at 10 over 290, beating playing partner Justin Thomas, a noted live critic, by two shots in the pairing of the two last winners on the PGA. He was determined, but wholly successful. Quote, I don't see how it's any concern of the PGA of America what tour we play. That's just my opinion, he said. But what was his opinion of the Ryder Cup? More than once when the topic surfaced, he responded with, it's not my concern. Quoting, I played a lot of, and I've had a lot of great experiences with the Ryder Cup. I've been involved in 13. I played 12, vice captained at Whistling Straits. I've had a lot of great experiences, stories, memories. I've had more than my share. So I'm fine with other people having those other opportunities as well, close quote. As for a victory by a live golfer, specifically 54-hole leader Brooks Kepka, and what would that do for the fledgling tour, which approaches its one-year anniversary next month, he wouldn't hit the softball, saying, quote, I don't know. I'd be happy for him, close quote. Mickelson and two-time major winner Dustin Johnson were the most noteworthy players to jump to the Live Golf League when it debuted the week before last year's U.S. Open. He said, golf has been a closed shop in Live, which plays its seventh event of the year outside of Washington, D.C. this week, has made a difference at least in one regard. Quote, well, it's provided 48 new professional golf opportunities at the highest pay, which is incredible. And it's holding a lot of people accountable for some things that they've done, he said. It's appealing to a younger generation and getting a lot younger fans to come out and introducing a whole different vibe to the game of golf that I think is necessary. We're only a year, he added. I'm thinking three to five years out where we'll be. To me, it's just starting. In two more years, that's when we'll need to look back and say where we are and where we want to be. It seems like we're well on that path. It's not going anywhere. It's going to continue to accelerate, and hopefully people continue to give it a try, close quote. That from Phil Mickelson. What do you think about Phil Mickelson's quotes as well? All right, so when we come back, you guys are going to hear from the man himself. Yes, I'm talking about Brooks Kepka, his feelings about winning this PGA championship, and a fascinating quote about overcoming fear, and overcoming failure. That coming up on the Fairways of Life show, which is presented by the PGA Tour Superstore, the number one golf retailer in all the land. Yes, Father's Day is right around the corner. You want to find the perfect gift for the golfer in your life? Well, you'll find it at what is certainly all golfers' happy place. Shop with the pros. You can start it at PGATourSuperstore.com. If you're looking for it, you'll find it there. Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! <laughs> Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses. 
and our world-famous parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery. And visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Fill your heart with Ireland at ireland.com forward slash golf. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the Bridgestone Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try Bridgestone's Tour Bs. The Tour Ball reinvented. Nothing feels quite like hitting a PXG iron. That's because we use hollow body construction coupled with the thinnest club face in golf and a vibration-absorbing polymer. These technologies make hitting our irons feel soft as warm butter on a hot biscuit and create a bigger sweet spot, which means more forgiveness, better distance, and lower scores. Play PXG and see how sweet, real power, and incredible forgiveness can be. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Baseball? Nah. Football? Done it. I think I'm going to go after the PGA Tour. Bo, you're going to need the right equipment company. I think I got that. You know Tour Edge backs all their clubs with a lifetime warranty. I know. They ship all their premium custom clubs in 48 hours. I know. All their premium clubs are hand-built in the USA. I know. You know Tour Edge has won 35 times out here. Guys, I know. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One zero one. Gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The Wiz really helped me to keep that consistent swing. You can go out there on your own and just hit balls and it'll fix your golf game. Transition on plane. The Wiz. Sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show, folks. Pleasure to have your company from wherever you are joining us. The victory by Brooks Kepka at the PGA Championship was distinctive, and it was historic. It was his ninth PGA Tour win. It still counts as an official PGA Tour win, so that counts him as nine times in that category alone. Remember, he has two more wins on live, one last year, one this year. It was his fifth major championship he has three pga championships he has two u.s opens now it was his first major since 2019 which speaks to the fact that as he told us at the masters where he finished in a tie for second that he was healthy he was feeling good he's the 20th player with five or more major championships and the list of who those players are is distinctive topping that list of course is Jack Nicholas with 18. Tiger Woods has 15. Walter Hagen with 11. Ben Hogan and Gary Player are tied with nine. Tom Watson with eight. Seven belongs to the great Harry Varden. Then Bobby Jones, Gene Sarazen, and Sam Snead and Arnold Palmer. Six, Lee Trevino, Nick Faldo, and Phil Mickelson. And then the category that he has just joined equally as historic and great. James Braid, John Henry Taylor, the other two members of the great triumphant, along with Varden, Byron Nelson, Peter Thompson, 
Sebi Ballesteros, and now Brooks Kepka. He is one of six players with three or more PGA championships, and there's only three in the stroke pay era to have crested that. That's Jack and Tiger. Brooks Kepka moves from 44th to 13th in the official world golf rankings. The 33-year-old also moves to second on the United States Ryder Cup points list. Brooks on Sunday won $3.15 million. Keeping in mind, relative to the United States Ryder Cup points, U.S. Ryder Cup points in the year of a Ryder Cup, they award two points for every $1,000. So he got 6,300 points for a total of 8,936, which is why he's in second place. Yes, there are elevated events coming up. Those are obviously on the PGA Tour as well as two more majors. But if he continues the form that he has, Brooks Kepka could very well qualify for the United States Ryder Cup team, of which Captain Zach Johnson said if he qualifies, he qualified. Brooks Kepka addressed the media after his victory. And when he had a chance to address the media, the first question that one has to ask of the most recent major champion on the men's side of the game is this. How does it feel? Feels damn good. Um, yeah, this one's this one's definitely special. I think this one's probably the most meaningful of them all uh, with everything that's gone on, all the, uh, all the crazy stuff over the last few years. But uh, it feels good to be back and um, I get number five. I've always learned more from the four times I've finished second than the, I guess, the five times I've won now. Um, I think failure is how you learn. Uh, you get better from it. You realize what mistakes you've made each time. I've, I've kind of made an adjustment. Um, it's more mentality than it is anything. There's not really a golf swing or anything like that. It's just, you know, you, you're going to play how you play. But mentally, you can kind of figure things out. And right, I'm always trying to get better. So just trying to find that different, that little edge, um, just to poke and pry inside my head. And really, really, I think the big key is just being open and honest with yourself. And if you can do that, then you'll uh, you'll be miles ahead of everybody else. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it helps live. But, I mean, I'm more interested in my own self right now, to be honest with you. I think, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a huge thing for live. But at the same time, I'm, I'm out here competing as an individual at the PGA Championship. So uh, I'm just happy to take, the, take this home for the third time. I think I was the first guy to win two, two live events. So um, I'm going to win. To win a major is is always a big deal, no matter where you're playing. And I think that's uh, all it does is I just think, I guess, validates it for myself. Uh, I guess maybe if anybody doubted it from Augusta or whatever, any doubts anybody on TV might have or whatever, that uh, that I'm here, I'm back, I'm here. It's tough to explain. It's it's very hard to explain. It's just like you you can't fathom how difficult it is just to get going um i mean it was a lot worse than i let on to you guys to let on to everybody um like i said i think maybe only five six people really know the extent of it um and it's just it was hard i mean cold weather it's achy it was i mean the swelling didn't go down till maybe a couple months ago but uh i mean so that's almost what two years um it's been a long road but uh it's Look, that's who I am. 
I'm open and honest. Uh, I know I seem like this big, bad, tough guy on the golf course that doesn't smile, doesn't do anything. But if you catch me off the golf course, I'll let you know what's going on. And um, like, I'm happy they got that side, right? Um, that's that's truly me. And uh, some people might hate it. Some people might dog it. But uh, at the end of the day, it's just me. Really fascinating comments from Brooks Kepka. That was addressing the media at large following his victory at the PGA Championship. I was I was amazed by the comments that he made about learning more from failure from the four times that he finished second than he has from the five times that he has won. And that's very consistent where you hear from people that coach great performance will tell you, including the likes of, of even uh, Michael Jordan, will tell you that you do learn more from failure than you do from success. And the fact that Brooks has the presence of mind to embrace that. He talked about being open and honest with oneself. Clearly there, I'm assuming, knowing where your strengths and weaknesses are so that you can work on the latter and continue to strengthen the former. All of that. The fact that he said, if there were any doubts, I'm back. Obviously, I paraphrased that part. Uh, but what, what struck me there was when he answered that question, it was more in context of external doubts where he was like, no, no, I'm back. But if you go back to the full swing series, documentary series on Netflix, when he said, and I'm quoting this, he said, I go back to the first major I ever won. I'd pay back every dollar I ever made just to have that feeling again for another hour, close quote. Let that quote from that show, when he expressed his doubt, when he said he couldn't hang with these guys week to week, paraphrasing. And think about that quote in the context of where he was when that was shot. The strength of his body. And then his last comments when he was talking about the fact of the, who you see him as as a competitor on the golf course. He used the phrase tough guy. See him off the golf course and let you know where it's at. You used to feel the same way about Gary Woodland. Think about when, when Gary marched to his U.S. Open victory at Pebble Beach. There's the Gary Woodland you think you know, and then there's Gary Woodland that you know when you're in person. Gary Woodland on the golf course has a demeanor that looks very similar to Brooks Kepka. It's a tough guy demeanor. It's a focus. He's in that zone. But when you know him off the golf course, one of the nicest guys you can hang out around. Easy smile. And then when Brooks was talking about what this means to the new Live Golf League, just consider this. Two of the game's reigning major champions are now on Live. Brooks, who just did it, and Cam Smith, who will not defend until July. There's a lot of changes happening in the world of golf right now. More coming up in the Fairways of Life show. Looking forward to your company after these words. Don't forget about The Wiz. TheWizGolf.com is where you can sign on and you can know it from this incredible wearable device your game in a way that you've never known it before. What's your swing plane? What's your tempo? More and more and more information is available to you because this is a swing monitor. And after you get all that data back that I'm referencing, 
you can modify your swing with the Wiz in a way that you never have before. Make your feel real, know your game like you never have, and be a golfer better than you've ever believed that you could be with the Wiz. I guess, hello world, huh? <laughs> and with one subtle hello, Tiger began an amazing and unthinkable career. I've done it for 20 years now with, with Bridgestone. It allows me to play an aggressive style around the greens, and it's allowed me to win a lot of tournaments. Bridgestone Golf, proud to be part of your journey. Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to BoyneGolf.com. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One, zero, one. Gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The Wiz have really helped me to keep that consistent swing. You can go out there on your own and just hit balls and it'll fix your golf game. Transition on plane. The Wiz, sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com. Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! <laughs> Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. Nothing feels quite like hitting a PXG iron. That's because we use hollow body construction coupled with the thinnest club face in golf and a vibration-absorbing polymer. These technologies make hitting our irons feel soft as warm butter on a hot biscuit and create a bigger sweet spot, which means more forgiveness, better distance, and lower scores. Play PXG and see how sweet, real power, and incredible forgiveness can be. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Zero Friction introduces the Wheel Pro Push Cart Golf Bag with its revolutionary three-in-one design, supportive legs that spring into action, a comfort grip handle with three locking positions, accessories for the modern golfer enhanced by seven pockets for more storage, and removable all-terrain wheels which slide right into place. The new Zero Friction Wheel Pro Golf Bag checks every box for every golfer. Push, carry, or cart. The decision is yours thanks to Zero Friction. Head to ZeroFriction.com today. Pleasure to have your company, folks. So there's tons of stuff pouring in today. Uh, Dom, why don't you bring us up to speed one last time and what you're hearing from people and what kind of the the temperature is on this Tuesday morning. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. We really appreciate all the comments and the thoughts. Uh, thank you. Um, the question of the day is, should Brooks be on the U.S. Ryder Cup team? 93%. Yes. That percentage has gone down slightly, but... Generally speaking, everybody is saying, come on, this is a no-brainer here. Uh, 
I'll ask for you, Matt, for some clarification after I read a couple of these notes. But there's a lot of discussion here at the tail end of the show amongst the people about uh, the European Ryder Cup team and also the U.S. Ryder Cup team and who's making decisions and how and whatnot. Yep. Uh, G. Willis writes, the Ryder Cup may have an issue with questions regarding how they removed Henrik Stenson as European captain just because he joined Live Golf. Uh, who made the decision regarding Henrik Stenson? Uh, Monaghan will ban live players from the Ryder no, Cup. No, wait, but do you want race. me to answer stuff as you go along no, I'm here? Just gonna, you... No, no, no. I'm going to read a okay. couple, and then I want you to explain it. Because it, this is actually quite clear cut here, and Matt will explain it to you folks so that you understand. Uh, Monaghan will ban players from the Ryder Cup. Um, I meant, <laughs> well, Matt will explain why that's hilariously incorrect. Uh, I meant a committee, the PGA Tour, which decides the rules, dictates, you know, who – what pool the team captains can pick from. Uh, Monaghan and Pelly must go. Um, the Ryder Cup should be composed of the best American players versus the best European tour players from wherever the, which they come from. Um, imagine not taking Brooks after he qualifies on points. Zach has a tough decision to make. Well, they can't. That's true. He, Zach, he's, yeah, they, they, Zach does not, have a tough he decision. Qualifies if he's points, he qualifies six. in points. He qualifies in points. Yeah, sorry Correct. to interrupt you. I so, didn't tell me not to. So do there's that. and there's a lot more in there, uh, Matt. But obviously, uh, I would like you just before we go today, if you could really simply explain how is the U.S. team constructed and who's at the top of it, and the same for the European Tour. Right yeah, the the thing that people don't understand. Let's start on the American side for a second. Because what's confusing, and it gets it gets ingrained in confusion because. You have you have talking about major sports shows that don't know the difference, and they'll they'll talk about PGA, PGA players this, PGA players that, and without the distinction of which PGA you're talking about, because there's two, it gets the lines get all blurred and it gets very confusing. And again, I'm, I'm going to give you I'm going to give this to you in a nutshell, so. It used to be the PGA of America until the late 1960s was it. It was the only thing that existed. They had a tour players division. And those were the players like Arnold Palmer and Billy Casper and all these players that played in tour events, Ben Hogan, et cetera. That's why you have these you have PGA tour events like this week's at Colonial that will go back decades and decades and decades and decades and decades. And you have history of people like anywhere from some cases, Walter Hagen and, and Gene Sarazen through, you know, Hogan and Sneed and, and Nelson right up to modern players playing in those events. So it can get confusing when you when you realize and, and you always hear this story about, you know, when Charlie Sifford broke the color barrier in golf, that there was a provision as late as the early 1960s that w- that said it was for Caucasians only as unbelievable it is it is to hear me say that it was there that was all under the umbrella of the pga of america in the late 1960s there was a break and a new league was formed and it was led by the biggest name at the time jack nicholas because they went to the pga of america and said look this really isn't working for us, kind of treating us as a PGA of America professional, and we go through all the same training and all the rest, but we're not, we're tour players. We're not going to be working in a golf shop somewhere. There's a difference between who we are. The PGA of America didn't like it. 
And Arnold Palmer, who was supportive of Jack and others' efforts, still was more kind of a bridge, a conciliatory bridge along the way. He was an important and wise voice. So they ultimately decided to go their separate way. And the PGA of America essentially said, okay, if you guys are intent on leaving, don't let the door hit you on the way out. And oh, by the way, we're keeping the PGA championship a major, and we're keeping the American half of the Ryder Cup. Go. See you on the PGA Tour, guys. They went and formed the PGA Tour. The second commissioner of the PGA Tour, of course, was Dean Beeman, and Dean Beeman was and is the George Washington of the PGA Tour. He was absolutely ingenious in what he built and how he did it and the vision that he had. Again, another story for another day. So now on the U.S. side, you have two separate organizations. The PGA of America, which controls the Ryder Cup. The PGA of America, which controls the PGA Championship. And the PGA Tour, where the players play. And it's owned by the players. Those are the two entities. So when someone says, that's why I I, I chuckled a little bit, didn't mean it to be disrespectful, it just struck me as humorous, when someone said that Jay Monahan was going to keep players from playing on the Ryder Cup, he has nothing to do with the Ryder Cup. Zero. So, the so-called task force that Dom mentioned earlier that was put together as to what to do, of which, incidentally, Phil Mickelson was very prominent, they basically decided that what they wanted to do was put together an entity, a a mind trust, really. And Davis Love III described it to me as a Team USA. Like, I'll ask him, what's the record with Team USA? And he combines the President's Cup and Ryder Cup over whatever period of time you're talking about because he says it's all Team USA. And Team USA is looking to, and they look directly to what the Europeans have done with theirs, where whether it's the Seve Trophy or what have you, where you have an ascension of players, not only as players, but through leadership roles, and then eventually to vice-captaincy, then captaincy on the Ryder Cup side, the Ryder Cup being the pinnacle of team competitions on the European side amongst these pros. Understandable. right? So on the U.S. side, they decided to adopt a similar approach. That's why if you're wondering who the future United States Ryder Cup captains are going to be, Just take a look around. So that is how and why it is the way it is. The players wanted to have their say. The players wanted to be a part of the decisions of how they were impacted on these respective teams. They didn't want to just show up and have a a captain that was chosen by the PGA of America and probably their leadership. And not them. They wanted to play for and with people that they support. And frankly, that they put in the position. That is how it's structured now. That's how it works now. The point structure is outside of all of those issues that I just discussed with you. And so, through the last Ryder Cup, through COVID, because of delays, etc., The captains of the respective Ryder Cup teams wanted to have players who were hot at the time. So they changed 
the criteria, which a captain can do, of how many captain's picks he has. And it's flowed and ebbed throughout the history of the Ryder Cup. There were times where it was the top 12 qualifier, the top 12 on the team. Now it's six that qualify in six captain's picks. I'm sure when they put this together, because it was before anything going on with Liv and the PGA Tour, they never anticipated that it would cause the captain some some potential heartburn because now by having only six that automatically qualify, it opens up this massive gray area of other players that people are going to be tapping you on the shoulder going, hey, are you going to pick so-and-so? Because they're playing great. Maybe they don't play in the PGA Tour or whatever, and all these questions start to get asked. Now, to, to clear up the, the question again, on the European side, the side of the European side was Great Britain and Ireland until 1979, which means the PGA of Great Britain owns the Ryder Cup. However, the authority of the Ryder Cup rests in its administration with the European Tour. And I use the word European Tour because not everybody realizes that their official name now is the DP World Tour. But because we're talking about the European Ryder Cup team, that's why I'm using the old phrase, the European Tour. So the European Tour controls the European side of the Ryder Cup. Henrik Stenson lost his captaincy because he signed a contract with the European Tour, and in that contract was the specific provision that he would not join Liv, which he did. It nulled and void the contract. That's how it happened. Again, I'm not asking you to judge it. I'm not asking you to like it or dislike it. I'm telling you that's how it happened. That's why it happened. And as a result, they put... Luke Donald in as the, as the captain, which was clear Luke Donald was destined to be a, a captain anyway. The significance of what I just told you in terms of how it went down with, with Henrik is when you think about the other clear future captains that have now also been disqualified by that provision. We're talking of the likes of Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, Martin Keimer, Graham McDowell, list goes on. All out, based upon the current structures. Okay? Dom, did that explain everything you were asking about? Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty clear-cut as far as I'm concerned, Matt. I hope people understand. But yeah. we're here to answer your questions about anything and everything. You let Good. us know. <laughs> we got a lot to go through. We have through. all the there, answers there. for sure. Yeah, we got a lot to go through in tomorrow's show, too, and leading to our national television broadcast, which is on our affiliates throughout the country over the weekend. So uh, wherever you live in the United States, we would encourage you to please see who your affiliates are. Off the top of my head, uh, New England Sports Network, Nesson, of course, MSG in in the tri-state area. Uh, There's NBC Sports. There's Bally Sports. There's AT&T Sportsnet. There's Root Sports, et cetera, et cetera. There's, there's, there's many of them. So check them out, and you can see, because this weekend we're going to feature multiple tour players who have multiple wins on the PGA Tour. Yeah, reacting to the victory of Brooks Kepka, 
I also want him to react to all these other areas. Discussion about should he be on the Ryder Cup team? Uh, should live players be on the Ryder Cup team? It, it, to, to cast even wider net, not just Brooks, but other players that we have two more majors in front of us. Who knows what could happen? Uh, if they're Americans and if they're, if they're the best players, shouldn't they be on that team? We're going to discuss that as we go forward, but please check that out when you get a chance. And tomorrow we're going to have a multiple-time PGA Tour player join us on the Fairways of Life show. Now, I will tell you, Wednesday night, overnight, I'm going to fly to Scotland, to Edinburgh, on my way to St. Andrews. I'll get there early Thursday. And it starts our fan trip to St. Andrews, where we're going to play the old course, we're going to play Corral, we're going to play Carnoustie, etc. There's a whole bunch of different incredible courses that we're going to play. And we're going to share the experience with you as we go along. Uh, they, they're always, they always become, when, when we're traveling abroad like that, they always become somewhat hybrid shows where I check in when and where I can, uh, but we're going to create our national television broadcast from there as well. So it should be really cool and a really neat experience that we're looking forward to sharing with all you guys. As we progress. Uh, so big show coming up tomorrow. A big next couple of weeks before us with the, the trip to Scotland. And then I'm going to swing through Ireland before uh, I'm back here and share your company again. So lots happening. And I hope everything that's happening in your world is good and safe. Be nice to each other. Be respectful if we can. And until we are together again. Goodbye for now.